Hey everybody, welcome to Shallow Dives. It's me, Max. Uh, joined with me, God, I always fuck that up. Joining me is Christian Torres. He's wearing sunglasses indoors, drinking a Gatorade. Um, a Gatorade so Zero. To, I don't uh, indulge in sugar, sir. I'm out of the sugar game. Oh. Well, I'm drinking a Monster uh, Zero Ultra. We're out so of the sugar game. I'm right there man. with you. We're a bunch of yeah. Sam Elliott's in Parks and Rec. You know, cool run. Yeah. They're both pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, just wearing anyway. our Birkenstocks. Yeah. Uh, so listen, this is this is an example of us like you know making a concerted effort to talk about something that is popular, but uh, also popular with the critics, as we found out. More right? like popular, am I right? No, we're not doing scatological humor in shallow. Air dive. Five this, this did not participate. Hollowed ground. Two episodes in a row. Two separate shows. And Air Five has gone unresponded to. <laughs> like. I'm never going to co-sign on that. Um, mm. But no, so this is an example of like us trying to do something uh, that's current, but also is kind of a hit with critics, right? I think it's sitting at like a 91, 92% or something right now. Yeah. Critics enjoyed it. Audiences as well. Yeah. The theater that I was in. So here's my thing. You watched it before me and then I said, hey, I'm going to watch it today. And I had a really good California day as I described it. Like, and all I mean by that is just like, oh, just wandering around and, and then you went outside. It all in. Yeah. Like to really in California. Well, like I like people take Ubers, they drive, and like I can't really bike here, which breaks my heart. Like I could bike very specifically in my neighborhood, but it's not like Brooklyn where I can go fucking fifteen miles if I have to. It's like sketch. So it's like, but today I went to see a physical therapist uh, just for like tips on my back because my back's been hurting, and I'm like, I have. By the way, like. I have fucking health insurance now. This is more of a worse my burrito thing. But after years, like going to be years of not having health insurance, it's incredible to have health insurance because now I'm just indulging in all this shit. And I guess like I have decent health insurance. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a fucking conversation for another day. Uh, Thanks, Obama. The, sorry, yeah. Uh, but the point is, uh, so after that, like I walked 20 minutes to the Vista Theater, which is this like really historic theater that's right on the border of Silver Lake and East Hollywood and, and Los Feliz. Um, mm-hmm. and it was great, man. They only have like one stage and it's kind of like the Tampa theater back home, a little bit smaller scale than that. Uh, but it was like six bucks to go see a movie in the middle of the day. And, you know, I went and got a really good coffee, you know? And I got, yeah. I miss deals on tickets in Florida. There used to be deals like that. And now right. it's 16 bucks everywhere. You know, yeah, no, it's in New York. It's That's like, the cool thing it. about it. Right. Let me tell you that, man. There's like a lot of them, like uh, even fancy ones on Tuesdays, studio movie grill, will uh also do 650 tickets like it's really interesting so like it's you uh, can get like some grilled food and just sit down with your six dollar movie ticket and have the time it's really cool i mean i think it's like you got to go kind of during the day but it is 650 or no i think it's 650 at night too even anyway the point is not to advertise them i'm just saying like that's the cool thing about being in la a place where they could clearly gouge it if they wanted to and they haven't like there are still these really cool places so the point is i had a good day got me i got myself a coffee got me a Mm. croissant and then I went to go see The Invisible Man by myself, which is an experience that I've told you going into is really atypical for me because, like, I usually watch everything with my wife, you know? Uh, right. And I usually don't watch movies in the middle of the day. So these are two, like, abnormal things. And it was really interesting to, like, <laughs> watch a movie because I'm like you. It's like, look, I always want to be with my wife, right? But, like, I get subconscious, especially if it's a movie I've seen already and she mm-hmm. hasn't seen. I'm usually really preoccupied on whether they like the movie or not. That it's right. really hard for me to like do it. You know what I'm saying? So I haven't not seen a movie by myself really. Like I've seen movies by myself in my house, but that's not the same thing as going to the theater. You know what I mean? Right. Because um, you're you're going out. You're sitting down in a place that you don't own or rent. Right. Yeah. 
It's classy. There's an experience fucking, silently uh, with a bunch a, of other people. Yeah. There's Egyptian gods adorning the walls. Like there's a curtain that fucking, you know, it's, it's, it was just really cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, so I, I saw this Invisible Man movie, which is really interesting. Uh, Leigh Winnell, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Or Lee Winnell? I've never understood this Aussie. I don't know. You've always told me Leigh Winnell. So that's how I pronounced it because I thought that you knew all the things that there are uh, to know about well, name pronunciations, about Hollywood people, about the Saw know, franchise. I'm infallible, so you just fall in line, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I just trust you, Bubby. Well, so Guy from Upgrade uh, was kind of his breakout as a director. I mean, he had done some other film, I believe, but it wasn't as big of a, a success. Uh, and then Bloom House decided to like give him a like the reimagining of the Invisible Man, blah blah blah. Uh, also, writer of Saw and your favorite movie, Dead Silence. Which, by the way, I don't I don't like Collider, uh, but Collider wrote a really in depth like what the fuck's going on with this movie? And then I, like, I kind of want to rewatch it. It's been, it's been since like 2006 or whatever fucking year that piece of shit came out that I've, uh, well, I've like it makes me respect him a lot more because the, the inside scoop and they course, they correlate this with him, uh, talking about it very, op- like out in the open, very frankly. Um, mm-hmm. And and very honestly, and he was just like, "Here's the deal." Saw was getting all this buzz, and my agents were like, "Secure a fucking deal, man! You got to strike while the iron's hot." Problem is, I didn't have a story at all, so I went to my apartment in L.A. Uh, in Hollywood, and I did not let myself out for two weeks. And then I had a script, and he like built the mythology, which like I've never seen the movie, but the mythology I'm sure is kind of cool. Like I remember the trailer having like a dumb nursery rhyme and shit like that, but like the mythology could work if it was more like thoroughly realized or some shit, but I hear the movie just feels amateurish and it's really the result of someone who did not want to make that movie, but felt like if I don't make something now, I can't capitalize, you know, and his subsequent work has kind of made me feel like maybe they's a little bit vindicated, you know, I'm not saying they're all masterpieces, but they're very interesting. And I feel a lot of feelings about this movie. It's uh, yeah. I, I mean, uh, when, when you look at James Wan and uh, Lee Lay, Lee Lay, uh, whatever the fuck Let's his be name safe. is. Lele, Lele. <laughs> yeah, old Lele uh, Winnell's, Wannell's um, films. I'm just going to get lost in a fucking rabbit hole trying to pronounce this fucker's name. Um, yeah, like bo- both their uh, subsequent work since Saw, I mean, it's been a little up and down, but I think that they're both interesting. And right. I think that they're energetic. Um, like I really like James Wan's uh, Conjuring movies, especially the first one. Um, right. Like he's got a very kind of curious roaming camera and uh does a lot of fun uh interesting kind of throwback sort of things and then uh lee winnell is sort of uh well we'll get we'll get into it but he does some very interesting things with like camera movement thank you Uh, and that was the biggest takeaway and we'll talk about it more in depth in a little bit what i was going to say is like as i I texted you in the middle of this movie i had to run to the gentleman's room very quickly and i Mm -hmm. came back uh i texted you and i'm like i am not sure if i really like this or fucking hate this movie uh and I, and, I, and I wasn't at the, uh, like, meeting of the, the goddess yet, uh, so to speak. You know what I mean? You and your meeting of the goddess. Oh, it's important. Uh, <laughs> it's an important part of the story because that Just moment. Just quietly. On, well, it's important. It's important, Max. It really is, which is like, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I, what I was going to say about him is he makes choices that I feel are, like, clumsy and yet there's like oh like it's deliberate don't be wrong but it's clumsy and it's something that like other filmmakers wouldn't do because it feels almost hack but his commitment to it makes Mm -hmm. it like work 
90% of the time. Like, and it's just, he makes these choices and like, what do we want from these fucking people? Right. They have a vision. They want to execute that shit. And it's so interesting with upgrade in this, like there's certainly like an auteur theory developing with him in a way that I'd never thought there would be because I didn't see the, that level of depth. It's really intriguing to watch someone grow as a writer. I'm not saying there's depth in all of these films. Uh, I would say more in Invisible Man than most of his other stuff, but it's so great to see him grow as a writer where I'm like, oh shit, maybe he just like was a kid who made a movie really early and learned to be a good writer after the fact, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this movie is largely, if there is a, a star of this movie, not to be cute about it, it's Elizabeth Moss's performance. I think she really makes a lot of this work where a lesser actress would not. because it does really ride that line between like silly cliche and being effective kind of throwback suspense thriller. Um, And what it does well, like on a script level and what's smart about it um, and surprising about it is that it sort of reframes the invisible man story. Somebody made the point where every invisible man story before this, every adaptation and I just rewatched Hollow Man with Kevin Bacon, by the way, yesterday. And I have some fucking thoughts on that thing. But every single one of those movies make you complicit in the Invisible Man's actions. It's usually from his point of view. And this thing is completely different. It's from his victim's point of view, or from this woman's point of view, who by the end chooses not to be a victim. Um, and I thought that was interesting. I, I thought the the idea of making the invisible man a representation of this woman's PTSD and her like the ghost of her relationship is haunting her in a way. Like it is a ghost movie, even if it isn't a ghost movie. Um, and making that a kind of literal uh, connection um, was a really interesting route to take. Yeah, it said a lot more than I thought they were going to say. Uh, and that was really interesting about it. I didn't like the first half of the movie. Uh, I, I mean, I like the I, opening scene. I, the opening scene was wonderful. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I got like, you know, they, they had to repeat some of the things that they were doing. And at the same time, I can't think of anything that's like necessarily like a complete waste of time. Like that's yeah. the thing. It's a tight movie, even though it's two hours and three minutes, I believe. So it's like, they, they certainly breathe in these scenes. Um, but yeah, man, there was, some, there was something about the beginning of it where it just felt like it wasn't working for me, I think, because the premise is a little inherently silly. You know what I mean? Like, there is that level of, like, there's an invisible fucking guy here. Uh, and so Elizabeth Moss can only take it so far. And it, let me just fucking say, like, I'd stupid because it's a genre movie, but, like, she does uh, three or four different gears in this fucking movie, man. And it's like, mm-hmm. why aren't we rewarding these type of performances? I know it's super early, but, like... She has to carry this. It's movie. the it's the Tony Collette from Hereditary thing all over again. Dude, Florence thank you. That's a great comparison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. And so that's where I'm coming from, where it's like she does like a one woman show a lot of the times, but at the same time, there is this level of like, okay, how long can they do these set pieces where there's just her being dragged and stuff? Like, even though she's wonderful, there are like limits. And, and I think it's because they let those scenes breathe a little bit longer that it made me feel like I like I get what you're doing, man. Like, just cut a little bit here, you know? Uh, right. But then, but then we get to like the middle of this. So I uh, let me ask you, because we always hit this crossroad when we talk about these films. How do you really want to proceed do we want to do spoilers in depth or we want to kind of talk about the film in general let's um, spoil the shit out of it right okay let's so do you want to this do you thing, but like I mean, a, we can still talk in a general way but let's let's yeah let's say spoilers from here on out if you haven't okay. seen because this thing does have uh some stuff you can spoil yeah so stop listening if you don't want to be spoiled um 
Okay. Uh, so, I mean, do you want to give like a very general uh, brief synopsis of the, of the film? Because I think the marketing did a really good job. I mean, it was the film I thought I was going to get, even when it subverted a little couple things, you know? Yeah. Um, Elizabeth Moss, uh, the very beginning of the film, escapes from her husband's uh, multi-million dollar home, um, which is full of cameras and in a very visual way communicates that this guy is an abusive asshole and she's terrified of him. Um, cut to a couple weeks later, she finds out that he's killed himself and left her some money. Um, and she's like living with PTSD and like, she's terrified. She can't go outside and she slowly starts to come out of her shell when she realizes there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. But she starts to think that there's something there, something watching her, something fucking with her. Turns out, whoa, spoiler alert. There is, there's an invisible man and it's her husband. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if you want to take the reins from here. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm so fascinated by the movie because it's like, I don't know. I mean, first of all, fucking not to immediately go into this direction, but like I, a lot of dudes are going to have a problem with this movie. Like, you know, like that's going to happen. Um, and and it, it's really interesting how this movie has a lot more to say than I ever thought it kind of would because like inherently by framing it, you're right through the victim's perspective, which is something we haven't done already, but specifically for the time that we're living in, to, to to frame it around like oh this woman's crazy which is like i've asked my wife about this like what's like kind of the most insulting thing it's like anytime someone disagrees with a woman they kind of immediately be like you're crazy which they may throw right. away they don't realize the power of that over time you know like a fucking like a wave hitting a rock over a millennia dude it's gonna carve into it eventually and that shit stings and it's like something i certainly didn't realize for the longest time because i think we as men are a lot more careless with our language so it was very interesting to they would frame this uh, whole story around the believability of a woman where it's much easier. And I let's put it on front street. It's about, Oh, there's an invisible man. You're clearly crazy. If you came to me and said that, except for pop culture, clearly telling me that you're right. And there's an invisible man. I'm not right, going to believe you know your story structure. You'd be like, yeah. okay, I believe yeah, I, I know. this is the road of trials. All right. You're trying to tell your friends right. and I'm like, I don't believe you except we're going to subvert that shit. I'm like, I totally believe you. Let's, let's mm -hmm. fucking team up. So it's like, I like that they framed it around that. And I think that that point gets driven home by a final scene. That's like really fucking remarkable to me. And I mean that, like I was not expecting it to kind of go where it goes. I knew that they had planted a Chekhov's yeah. gun, so to speak. I knew that it had to pay off. But at the same time, there's a final scene that I think really like. I, I think that the final scene makes the movie and it could right. have broke the movie broken the movie um and instead it goes in the smartest possible route because at that point like about two-thirds of the way through i was running through the scenarios of how this thing could end and it chose to end in like the most intelligent and surprising way i think it could have um it didn't spoon feed the audience or hold their hands too much but it still made narrative sense i it it feels like a growth right yeah, like from for, from a director and a writing standpoint, because I think that a lot of the things, like again, what held the first act back for me was this like almost silly, preposterous like uh, length of uh, of the Invisible Man kind of gimmick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, well, I mean, like the Invisible Man is not only like you know taking pictures of her while she sleeps and like pulling her comforter off of her while she's sleeping and like turning the fire up on the stove and stuff and just making her life kind of kooky. Like he's actively framing her for 
crimes and murders and like trying to ruin her life and all this other shit. And there is one part in the movie that did strain credulity for me where I was like about to check out where the invisible man types up an email to her sister. Yeah. It felt weird. <laughs> yeah. Where she's like, a- after like at this point in the movie, like she's been nothing but wonderful to her sister and vice versa where she's like, I hope you die and I don't ever want to see Which you. Which is again. like, okay, this, this is not a character for and the, it's sake like, of the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I was the sister, I would be like, hey, you sent me this weird thing. What's up? Um, like immediately would text her and right. she'd probably be like, lol, what? I didn't send that. And then be like, oh, I guess your account got hacked. Better change your password. Right. Like it, that would be the end of it. But in this movie, of course, the sister immediately believes it, cuts right. her off. But before she does so, says, you're sick and you need help and then closes the door in her face. Right. And I'm like, ah, you know that she almost just got like fucking murdered and was clearly abused and like, right. Well, there's a lot of people acting kind of strange, but again, the central conceit is that there's no possible way there's an invisible man. So as stupid as some of the reactions go, you almost have to like, be like, I don't know, man. Regular people going to be like, that's impossible, you know? Well, yeah. I mean like there are other things like the invisible man, like she's staying with a, a friend, and his daughter and the invisible man like kicks her hits the daughter or something while elizabeth moss is in the room with her and the daughter thinks it was elizabeth moss and then the dad like like i thought that was very realistic the way it played out like that was believable if i'm the dad i'm like okay i gotta do what's best for my kid for sure my kid out of here sure but it was mainly the sister where i'm like all right this isn't I mean, I don't want to divert too much, but just I want to talk logical problems for a second. He, they live in San sure. Francisco, and he's got a balling-ass house, and he's a detective? Like, nah, dude, I don't play that shit. Yeah, that, in San Francisco, yeah. he'd be living in, like, a studio apartment, like, in Oakland. Right, and I like and, that like, they try to talk like, about an that. hour and a half to work every day, yeah. They try to bring it up by being like, I don't know if I can afford that college, and then, like, Elizabeth Moss gets all this money in the settlement or whatever, and she sets up a college fund for it. I'm like, that that does it. Like, how, how aren't you, like, triple more mortgaged on this fucker right now you right. know what i mean how aren't you like about to burn it down for the fucking arson money like which is what uh fire insurance is is arson money we call it and uh i don't know it's just like that was unrealistic and also like one other just minor thing that pissed me off just the inclusion of like an el nino storm literally the scene before we need rain to be a part of the plot you know what i'm saying there's like a, right. there's a scene on the tv and i'm like ah lay could have peppered that in an act one you really could have like just a brief second they're all making eggs on the tv hey whatever we're not all perfect uh what i will say about that though is i think that your biggest complaint right which is that scene that does feel out of character um such a a short scene by the way it is. It doesn't detract too much, but it's a shortcut because lay wanted to get to a very specific point in the film which is the meeting of the goddess which is the confirmation to her sister right like because as it happens like uh, and we can spoil this, right? We're, we're totally fine to talk about spoilers. Yeah, here. we're in spoilers. Yeah. yeah. All right, cool. Uh, so, like, the, the, she's like, meet me in a public place. No way he's going to do this thing. And you're right. The, there's obviously been this nefarious plot the whole time to kind of, like, set up the pieces that if something were to happen in public, this little man shows up and 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 fucking slits the throat of, of Elizabeth Moss's sister. But you're like, puts the knife in Elizabeth shit. Moss's hand in the middle of a crowded restaurant. Yeah. Right. So when people actually fucking realize what's going on, all they see is this like slit throat and a woman holding a knife, right? Which is like fucking crazy. Yeah. And that was the moment where I'm just like, all right, well, they got me. She got what she wanted, belief at at what cost uh, her fucking sister. And it really like ups the game. And then that's the moment where the movie becomes like really fucking good for me, man, because it was a lot of setup. It's a little long in some of its execution. The opening scene, really wonderful. Uh, But Mm -hmm. this is where it really kicks into high gear for me, man. 
Yeah, yeah, no, uh, same. Um, that got a big, big reaction out of my theater. Um, see this in theaters with a big old audience, if if possible, um, because it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. You know like, what that it was? was a lot of like, oh shits, is yeah. Was you know what it really is, theater. dude. And I and it's like because I was experiencing it in like a more freer sort of sense or whatever. It was like that's the moment where the people who had misgivings about the concept, like people like me, who were like, I don't know, it was kind of silly. We all yeah. collectively bought in. Like you could tell the moment. And I have to imagine yeah. Lay One L at like whatever audience they're doing. That moment comes up, and it's like, like all right, Quiet Place isn't a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination but it does have one scene that i truly love because it's the kind of reaction that you want to get from a film which is like emily blunt's going down those stairs and the camera's roving down with her and we see the exposed nail we the audience see the car crash before it happens and Mm -hmm. i remember seeing that in theaters and everyone be like (gasps) and it's like holy shit that that has to be the best feeling in the world for a director and i think that they nailed that in this film man it was one of the highlights of it I, I mean that that was always Hitchcock's thing, right? He's like play the audience like a piano, like that. That's exactly what he was trying to do. And like this is very much like it has some Hitchcockian vibes. He's taking right. some pages out of old Alfie's book. I don't know if he ever went by Alfie, but he does now. Um, but no, yeah, that that is the movie Alfie the, starring Michael Caine, famously based on directed Hitchcock. and oh, based, based on, on it was a memoir. And it was written by, it was his eight and a half. You know what I mean? Like an autobiographical like <laughs> lark back into his past. <laughs> um but no that that is the moment that i bought in as well i think that was the moment everybody bought in for sure um and then after that it it turns into a very uh tight fun uh sort of set piece after set piece after set piece um of elizabeth moss kind of in captivity in this like sort of holding mental ward place i don't really know what it was like a jail slash mental yeah santa marina mental health facility yeah Yeah. and uh of course the invisible man shows up spoilers as one uh, does things happen but no there is this wonderful uh sort of um you know uh long take thing where the invisible man attacks a bunch of police officers in a hallway um and the camera is doing this thing where it will like literally like to the to the inch um track somebody falling down onto the ground and then immediately get propped back up again um and i I think i heard that he invented or not invented but he had developed like some special rig in order to pull that did you ever end up watching upgrade before this or no yeah yeah okay so upgrade had snippets of that too with a lot of the spite scenes and stuff like that but what i was gonna say is like where i thought i couldn't get past some of the stuff in the in the first half of the movie that scene in particular that whole like escape scene as it were was really well done man like in a way where i'm just like you know he's fucking bold man and sure he's gonna he's gonna he's he's a home run hitter who would rather strike out you know what i'm saying like then but but still swing every time and i I, you have to respect that man i just felt like some of those direct uh, you know directorial choices don't always pan out but in this movie it really worked for the story they were telling uh and it was just like a really good job solid job directing and also he does this thing where we'll be in a room and he'll just do a 90 degree pan right like Mm. left a frame or right a frame and we're waiting for something to happen. And a lot of times nothing fucking happens, right? Eventually the character we were watching eventually walks back over, but he always has this idea. It almost feels in a weird way. And I'm not comparing him to David Lynch at all, but the, that Winky's reveal behind the ball, you know, like this, this, you're always the anticipation waiting for of something that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I thought that was really wonderful. And then again, when we get to the kind of finale of this, right, because there's a big old switcheroo, uh, 
the, you know, the person who come oh man, we didn't really talk about this, which I think is so fucked. And I think we should, there's mm-hmm. a major plot point where throughout the film, we have seen uh, Elizabeth Moss's uh, abusive ex, his brother, who's <laughs> a lawyer who's handling the estate and stuff like that. And immediately gives off creep vibes. And then again, to their credit, gives him a moment where i'm like yeah maybe he's all right <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> i felt that way i was just like dude we've all had that one fucker in our life who just continually like railroads us despite ourselves and uh and so i thought that was a pretty believable thing so what we come to find out is in the middle of this uh, the money that she was given was contingent on her not committing any crime or being you know declared mentally competent so at this point you start to see the, the real plan coalesce if he hadn't already for the murder charge uh right. it was still like in, in either case even if she gets declared fucking off on insanity she'll never get a dime of this money homie shows up at the mental facility and talks to her and gives her this real thing it's like look you could litigate this but it's gonna be very expensive and you know look at your current state so how about this just sign it over be cool and then there's a pregnant pause and it's like there's a third option and this was like another lock-in moment for me I, I, honestly like i just really was freely watching this movie it's not that i was surprised mm-hmm. by the way like everyone kind of knew he was a fucking dirtbag but like uh this is really where there's another like delicious little like this is pulpy and I, that's what i always yeah. described upgrade i'm like it's down and dirty it's pulp and it knows what it is and it's fun yeah there, there there's there's no fat on that uh, right, uh, movie sandwich lean, lean as fuck. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and so I, I was really taken for a ride with the movie, man. And then it brings us to this conclusion, which is like, oh, so that that brother was the one who actually came in. He offers her a deal that uh, she finds out that she's been pregnant this whole time. Which, by the way, can I just ask? Uh, was that because they had like consensually fucked? Because what my impression of it initially was like, and this was the only other natural mind fuck left was that like while she was like you know at some point like he had raped her like that's what i felt and i was right. like oh my god well i mean like, it's revealed that invisible man has been drugging her with diazepam yeah. right yeah yeah um so that that was the leap that i took i was like oh so he straight up just raped her and impregnated it, it, her it was every time they could raise the stakes somehow like they did and it's not like if you were putting your thinking cap of course you could have made that connection but it was like such a like horrific thing because they had gone to yeah. lengths to explain why she had taken every precaution not to do that and so can, this can i be a- shitty really quick oh, and yeah, just okay. sort of like backtrack a little bit one other logical thing that like really fucked with me and again like you have to suspend some of this logic like leave some of it at the door for sure with movies like this in order for it to work and the movie to its credit moves along at a fast enough fast enough clip that you don't really notice or dwell on it too much um, but like Elizabeth Moss could have avoided all of this and gotten people to believe at least something was going on if she would have just gotten that phone and showed people that there, because she finds her husband's phone, her supposedly dead husband's phone in the attic of the house she's staying at with pictures of her and the girl she's staying with sleeping. Um, she could have just like immediately showed it to the dad that's the cop and like a bunch of other people and the authorities and been like, hey, look, see? No, no, Someone's I agree, but, but I think they at least answer that because she's chased out subsequently. Like, there's a whole set piece where she is, like, running and... Yeah, no, I mean, the Eliz- uh, Invisible Man, the Elizabeth Man. Um, the Elizabeth the Invisible Man. man <laughs> the Elizabeth Moss. Sequel. They set the... it up for a sequel, obviously, called the Elizabeth yeah. Man. Um, but no, like... Not he, her he character's is... name. Sorry. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm going to just stop that sentence right there. <laughs> no, no, I... You, I, you so... broke me. I'm sorry. I just thought it was funny. 
so this brings us to the point of the plot where this comes back and like we know that she's pregnant uh and he knows and he like lowers his voice and the timbre of his voice gets really low it's like there's a third option <laughs> uh and 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 it's revealed he's like he knows about it he knows about everything that's been happening he's been in on it subsequently which includes murder and punching a child at the very least <laughs> like at the very least punching that kid yeah ruining some perfectly good hardwood in that house by the way you know what i mean like a lot a lot a lot, a lot ruining of mistakes trust were made. and hardwood mistakes were made obviously uh so this brings us to that point and then she like steals one of the pens in this exchange she throws everything off and so she's gonna like kill herself that's what it, they're setting up you know instead of letting him win instead of ever going back to that life instead of being a victim she'd rather die on her feet than live on her knees as it were uh and she does this it just draws him out because she knows he's in there and yeah. she like fucking puts the pen in her and she's gonna kill herself and then it gets there and she stabs him stab, 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 shank shank stab stab chloroform rack without the chloroform and uh and then it fucks the suit up so now we have some definitive proof security guard comes in all shit hell's breaking loose right and this gives yeah. us our big action set piece but it also propels us forward because uh the whole implicit promise was like if you don't cooperate like every time you do some shit we're gonna kill someone you love and so right. there's only so many people left alive because she doesn't have parents or pieces or yeah who, who who knows what elizabeth Moss what was the relationship between the was just a friend they're just homies like i don't know they never really make it clear and that that is something to this movie's credit to the way it doles out information it doesn't ever tell you anything you don't need to know it doesn't tell you how the invisible man suit works um because it does address a, an issue with invisible man movies which Again, I just rewatched the Kevin Bacon Hollow Man, which have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's a masterpiece. He tells a dirty joke in it. It's good. He does tell a dirty joke. I remember that he, one. Uh, he rapes and murders a whole bunch of people. Ooh, got dark. Yeah. This is Fox like, in like 99, man. You know, shit was going down in 99. It sure, it sure was. Um, Y2K yeah, no. on the horizon. Uncertainty between the bots and mankind. <laughs> You think they weren't going to green light a hollow band for those times? You're goddamn right. Now, 20 years later, we're back with another uh, invisible band for our Paul times. Verhoeven, what have you become? <laughs> a genius better, if anything. Uh, anyway, the, 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 the point is, <laughs> uh, so this leads us kind of like to the, to the finale of the film, uh, which uh, they find out after uh, like a big set piece and he goes to the house, he's going to kill the little girl and all this shit, right? Like, they're able to stave him off and they kill the invisible man. You're like, oh shit, right? Take the mask off. It's not the, not, oh, not our guy. Oh, was the brother the whole time. Which, for a second, let me ask you this, man. Did you buy into it before they give, it, give you the other reveal? Because I was like, that would have been interesting in a weird way. Like, that would have been not as satisfying as the actual ending scene that we got. Like, definitely right. necessary. But it would have scanned a little bit, don't you think? Because it's yeah, like just that, keeping the ghost. I mean, I was, I was on board with it until I started thinking about it a little bit more. And I was like, that's a kind of weird direction to take the story in, like an, on an emotional level. Because the entire time you think that it's like the victim being haunted by this this person this entity this being that had abused her for so long and well, again, well, i thought it was it was a dual abuse situation like because he was also abused but i'm sorry continue i didn't mean to cut you off oh yeah well the the point i was getting at with hollow man before i got totally fucking s- sidetracked by all the rapes and the murders was that 
Uh, to this movie's credit, it doesn't give you any more information than you need. You never learn about like how the Invisible Man stuff works because like in Hollow Man and in every other Invisible Man story, like he's just an invisible dude with his dick out, just running around totally naked, which is a whole level of creepy already. In this, he's wearing some sort of like camera suit that makes him invisible. Um, but like to the movie's credit, they never get too into it. It doesn't matter. It's not important to this story, which I liked. Um, but no, uh, I forget where I was going with that. I'm going to be honest. The whole no, Elizabeth just that it's a, it's a uh, very, man broke me. <laughs> well, I just think it's a very confident film because it doesn't need to hold your hand. It doles out only the necessary and pertinent information, and you're able to make those logical gaps. Um, yeah. I think that Elizabeth... a looper a little bit in that way. Like, right, don't worry right. about time travel. Um, and Elizabeth Boss, like again, it's really interesting because say what you want about us and and um, Lupita's fucking amazing in the film. She really is. Elizabeth Moss was the other highlight of that movie for me, outside of my selfish love of Tim Heidecker in that movie. Oh. Uh, it, it, but she did something like she proved that she can do this unnerving thing, and at times she had to tap into this. Uh, and I think that like this natural conclusion, what we find out after the brother, right, that immediately after the brother reveal, is that. Uh, Adrian, right, the guy, the abusive dude, has been locked in a basement supposedly this whole time. He was also a victim. And Elizabeth Moss knows that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Which again, that's why I kind of wanted to say the dual abuse thing because it's like you know she was still even supposedly in death or whatever, like still doing the bidding of his brother. If he really was dead, and if not, it's even more fucked up because he was just in on it from the beginning and like a woman's dead. So it's right. like, you know, there's a lot of fucked up things about it, but so this brings us to the point where now like the abuse, the thing in her life that she finally started to get over, right? Like there was this whole thing in the first act about her just being able to go get the mail. That was difficult for her. And there was such a like sense of completion after that first act where she brings the mail inside and you're like, shit, man, progress measurable day by day, you know? Uh, but now that thread is back. Uh, right. in a very tangible way. And she knows there's really no running from that. She even says as much in the film. She's like, as long as Adrian's around, you can't help me. I'm never going to feel safe. One, because this guy is capable of making another suit. Let's just put that on front street. <laughs> like this isn't a right. problem that goes away, but also psychologically, like she wasn't herself. She, she, she debased herself. She went beneath herself for so many years. She felt subhuman. She started to believe the fucking rhetoric. Um, she started to believe that this guy was such a maniacal person. It made her constantly question her sanity. And so this is a moment where she takes that back, dude. And I got to tell you, I thought that whole fucking scene was kind of next level, man. I really felt some way about how, uh, about, about the entire dinner scene. Um, mm -hmm. And even that guy, is he the guy from Haunting of Hill House? I think so, but I'm not sure. He was he creepy. Familiar. He was very yeah. creepy, man. Yeah, he was. Um, no, he he did great. It was a it was a great scene. Uh, they they never explicitly confirmed that he was doing it, but they do. He basically like looks right at the camera and says surprise, which the Invisible Man has been like texting her and saying to her the whole movie. Um, but no, it was really wonderful. Uh, Nice, nice little twist and turn. Um, I, I did feel bad for the cop guy, though. You know, he gets made complicit in some moita. You know, <laughs> but, but, he just but, wants but, to be a law-abiding uh, cop, cop man. Right. Uh, but they did some really interesting stuff with that, too, because, like, he's outside trying to get a confession, or at least that's what he thinks. It's, like, supposed to be a sting where he admits to her all the things he did if she wants to keep the child. Which, by the way, I like that they don't even address that. Like we get no resolution right. on whether she keeps that kid or not. What's it? Cause well, he's going to be born the, invisible. The one thing she does keep is the <laughs> invisible man suit. So right. 
Because Elizabeth Man is coming. (laughs) Elizabeth Man. Can't wait for that sequel where it's just a crazy Elizabeth Moss just fucking with people, blackmailing them, getting them pregnant somehow. That would be a real mindfuck because the abuse cycle keeps going on, right? Like, like she has her moment of catharsis and victory only to be yeah. fucking shattered. But so at the end of this movie, right? Like her big thing is like, she doesn't get what she wants. She doesn't get the confession that she desperately needs. She's right. like, I need to go. She cries. She breaks down, blah, blah, blah. Maybe she didn't. I don't know. Elizabeth Moss fucking amazing actress. I mean, like, like in just little grace notes, dude, because she does these things so subtly that she turns on a gear. Um, we see it so much in this scene because like, I don't know if any of that crying is necessarily real. I think all right. of it is this calculated reason to go to the fucking thing. When she, when she tells this cat that she's like, of course I wanted his confession. You know what I mean? Bullshit. Like, yeah. like it's a purely, I think all of this is completely calculated and I love that we Which, don't really know. But we yeah. can make our own assumptions. Go ahead. Sorry. I Well, no, I do want to say, like, good on her for changing into that suit so quick and then changging out of it. Like, damn, quick change artist. Am I right? Well, she had to. Invisible man move or suit. Cuts the guy's throat. Makes it look like a suicide. Well, the good Gets news about that. Goes, oh, my God. Yeah, the good news about that, though, is, like, she could probably just wear the invisible man suit with her dress. Like, and just take the suit off. It's not like she had to take the dress off in order to put the suit on. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, well, because the quicker. invisible man suit, it looked like kind of like Getting a tight, a like thing. it's a latex like, thing. Like, yeah, yeah like, yeah. It, it would be a, an ordeal. You could be a fat invisible man. You just wouldn't see it, you know, which is, like. That, a, you know what? That's true. <laughs> imagine the fat invisible man what a bad because like that's the other thing they're all in hardwood florida here and it's like there's a couple creaky hardwoods in there especially if you a fat invisible man but this lean motherfucker like walks like on fucking pixie like uh, like 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 insect fucking spider feet you know what i mean i was gonna bring that up because again watching hollow man and i don't want to turn this into a hollow man review i hated this fucking movie by the way like i haven't actively hated a movie and it's so long because i saw it when i was a kid and I did not pick up on like all of the just strange, problematic shit in this movie. Mm. Um, but in that movie and in this movie, both Invisible Men move silently in inexplicable ways. Right. Listen, like, man, I'd be walking around the house and you can hear me like like with fucking like, like, well, no, like like sonar and bat fucking hearing because like my bones crack and shit. Like like it's right. so weird to me that these people aren't like exhibiting any human characteristics. But again, that's like part of the farce you have to buy into in order to enjoy like it. Cosmic ninjas or something like they're right. levitate. Like I don't know. Like what what's going on? So she changes into the suit and then all in one shot uh i'm glad you liked the transition yeah because yeah, i feel like keeping us we gotta, yeah we gotta do it she changes into the suit and then like we're just left with him and again and i think this is earned because he's done plenty of these shots where we are just left to linger and we are waiting and nothing happens except for this one time which i think again you put two and two together you kind of knew something of that order was going to happen if you remember they set up the fact that she has another suit like the math has to cash in at some point but it didn't make it any less impressive to me the way they handled it uh yeah. so on the cameras and she made sure to make sure that she took the seat that was had him in the frame or whatever on cameras it looks like this homie picked up a fucking knife slit his own throat bleeds out okay she comes back like you said quickest costume change ever this this she's got broadway training max okay right she, uh, she, 30 seconds she comes out in hysterics freaking out and she sells it dude she makes the fbi call she sells it and again uh, switching on on a dime right like this juke mm-hmm. move of emotions like the minute she's off the phone expression changes she's totally fine she's planned this all of it and it brings us to this really interesting scene where she comes face to face with her friend and cop and 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 confidant and all these this person who was supposed to help him take him down the right way and now he's confronted you're right a law-abiding citizen with having to 
know kind of what happened. He didn't see it, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. I thought that was He's genius. Just sort by of the way. calmly, like he killed himself. I, well, I just thought that on a like, script right level. On a script level two, the whole movie is about not being able to see these things, and then in this crucial moment, he doesn't see it. He hears something, right? That's the whole movie: hearing a creak, hearing something move, but not seeing it. And now, like again, without having being like bearing witness to it, he knows what happens because of her reaction because she sees what she has in her bag like everything about it is telegraphed and yet in this final moment this one moment it's like what does it sound like you know because like we're so easy to say to the woman that she's crazy there's no possible way right to defy explanation we don't want to search past it because it's a woman and and her sanity doesn't hold the same water as a man's sanity and i just thought it was kind of a baller fucking move maybe it was a little heavy-handed but i was on game for it and i think they earned it in the beginning of the yeah, movie. no yeah exactly at that point in the movie they had earned the audience's uh trust so so yeah I, I think that if there's a takeaway from this review and i'm sorry i've been all over the place with this um <laughs> but it really does earn the audience's trust with a more or less ludicrous kind of premise it's pulpy um it has some logical inconsistencies but like honestly like i was nitpicking they're few and far between for a movie like this has some masterful set pieces too, which make me excited for whatever this guy does next. Not saying it's the best thing I've ever seen, but uh, definitely promising. And you there's see something decisions. to be said for like a good genre filmmaking. Like it reminds me of like Dread that we got several years ago. Dude, um, I literally watched Dread this morning because we had no internet. Oh, nice. And one of the few movies you put on my thing was Dread. And I was just like sitting there being like, God, this movie, like with a bigger budget, my God. And with the budget they have, like my, like still almost yeah. perfect, man. Like it's, and, and that's exactly. what you want. You want these self-contained down and dirty things. And I think when I was pitching you on upgrade, I name checked Dread because it had that vibe to me, this same thing on a broader scale. And that's, what's really interesting. They made this on a micro budget. I think this guy shouldn't be given $50 million. <laughs> I don't think he should be given a hundred million dollars, but it's interesting to know that Bloomberg's going to, or Bloomberg, <laughs> Jason Bloom rather. <laughs> Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> he's getting in the film, dude. He's like, I'm out of politics. And now he's, he's being a producer. Uh, but no, I think, I think Jason Bloom is going to give him a larger budget to stay in the Bloom family you know what i'm saying like because because he doesn't need the 50 million he needs 10 million 15 million to tell another story of this caliber but a little bit more confidently you know i know this is a weird comparison but like you look at what happened when we started giving tim burton money and it was nothing good yeah well we talked about this before i think that's really fascinating there are some people who are much better with limitations limitations inherently makes you more creative it's problem solving and when you have nothing but money and you're like fuck it we could put a cgi rabbit there like it ends up falling apart that dude's best films are always been where his imagination was brimming they they seem handmade but it's like reined in or whatever yeah we were to me me and our friend this is handmade or without cgi but like it works like you don't need anything more than what you have yeah man absolutely and i and i really hope burton kind of gets back to the smaller budget things i was talking with our friend skyler and we're talking about like if you have to rank those movies it's so weird because what's the best tim burton movie is different from what's his best movie like that's a different question like peewee's big adventure is amazing but it's not like a classical tim burton movie right and then something like beetlejuice is perfect because it does feel expensive but it also feels very real the texture is real um and like that helps him out and and with the budget that lay has been given he's always been able to make it feel really expensive somehow 
Um, and again, Elizabeth Moss is wonderful. So my overall impression, man, it was just a fun time at the movies. It's not like some life-changing thing. 92% is fun, but again, you have to rate it in that genre bias at the same time. 92% of being a really great genre film is still an achievement. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm never looking for a genre film to change my life. I'm just looking for it to be entertaining and, you know, Yeah, dude. Uh, and we talk about this with watch, TV, yeah. man. It's like, there's shows like Justified, which is like, no, it's not The Sopranos. No, it's not The Wire, but it, it scratches this very specific itch because it is mm-hmm. high art in genre like it is purposely a modern western in the same way that like other shows are purposefully you know honing in on this aesthetic and it's like that's just it's it's fucking good still i don't know anyway go watch the invisible man i really liked it man and i'm glad we got to do this man because like we agreed on it but i feel like we really kind of went beat by beat about why we liked it and what worked about it you know so yeah um any final words on the invisible man yeah, I mean, again, like it is more or less uh, somewhat propped up by the strength of Elizabeth Moss's performance because I think her performance is that good. And if it was a lesser actress, this would be a different situation for me. Um, but that is not to discount the work that Lely Winnell did um, to sort of uh, elevate it and to to make it a very slick. It's not like handheld and jumpy and shitty like a lot of horror movies are it doesn't depend on jump scares like this could have like a lesser director would have done that with an invisible man movie that's a couple but it's more so like steeped in atmosphere on those pans on what's around the corner what's in that hallway is there something there um and that 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 is uh it's a much more disciplined kind of genre picture than the usual run-of-the-mill ones are. And that's something to be valued. And I'm really, really glad that it's doing well. I think it'll continue to do well. And whatever contingent of man babies or incel fuckers are like <laughs> put off by this, whatever. Like I, I think that they make up 0.1% of the movie going public anyway, I would hope. Right. I just think they're a very loud 0.1%. I haven't even heard them say anything about this. But yeah, no, no, I just, we live in the time that immediately anytime anything is about a woman doing anything of agency, I have to <laughs> immediately put up the fucking defense. It has a woman in it? Yeah. F. Fucking terrible. Feminazis running uh, Hollywood. <laughs> Get women out of movies. Yeah, uh, I, I can't let that be the final word, so I would just comment on what <laughs> you said. <laughs> let me comment on what you said, which is you're right. Elizabeth Moss has the uh, an enviable task of having to set up the stakes in the beginning silently. Opening mm-hmm. scene is a pretty 10, 7, 8 minute scene of her. Oh yeah, I loved that first scene. It was wonderful. Yeah, so she good. has to do all the heavy lifting because you don't know the. they set up basically like completely silently without saying it. She had to drug this guy because obviously she's scared. Like there is a mm-hmm. reason for it. They don't tell you explicitly. They don't show bruises on and her face. See, oh, he has cameras in his house. The yes. security is password protected. Exactly. He has a high fence she has to climb over. It, yeah. it, it's really like a wonderful opening establishing thing and she does it all more or less silently and then when she has to flex she flexes and then mm-hmm. the movie begins and same thing with the end she has to do it in a more reserved way she's more hysteric more hysterical in the beginning of the film and then at the end of this she has to have this quiet reserve even though she's done a heinous thing right like it is objectively like morality like it's a bad thing and yet she is at peace with it and, and in right. each state she fucking nails it um and just to comment on lay when directing what's really major, amazing is the symmetry of each shot because he's very setting things up so there's bilateral symmetry within the frame and even when there are these sharp cuts and stuff right they're still framed immaculately for what you're looking at that symmetry is still there and i think that that's what sets it apart from a lot of the like shaky cam random stuff and it's weird man i got it i was one of my like genuine favorite times going to a movie which is weird because i checked my 
clocked so many times in that first hour. I was just like, yeah. I don't know if I'm on board with this. And then that, that, that sister murder scene yeah. really wins you over, doesn't it? Well, yeah. because it's everything that you want. It's someone getting what they want and then being taken away in terms of dramatic stakes. Like there was no higher yeah. card to play there. <laughs> like that was it's, pretty it's wonderful. It's just not, it's not common in kind of a Blumhouse type movie to be genuinely, genuinely surprised. Right. And it was really fun to just be sort of played like that by a movie, right. you know? Because it's it, more often than not, I'm just like, yeah, okay, saw that coming. That was fine, you know? Yeah, but man. that was like, oh, fuck. <sighs> Let's yeah, hope there's me. many more, many more films from this guy. All right, man. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much the episode. So I'm glad we did this. Uh, again, on the horizon, we got Bojack retrospective coming out. Uh, we're going to tackle Bogey. some classics. We're going to do shallow dives and we're going to put a stamp called Classics. Uh, we're going to do Breathless by Jean-Luc Godard, which is a French New Wave film. And Max, I hate to admit this, the like only French wave, New Wave film I've ever seen. Uh, like uh, this is my introduction because I you feel like 400 blows but Truffaut I've seen parts of it I've never seen it in, in total I watched it in film class maybe the same film class we were in as kids mm. uh, but but again in parts because we didn't have enough time to watch a whole movie in those clubs so you would have weeks and months go by and then be like oh the second part of the 400 blows at 12 like no come on so uh, so that's the thing so it's a real introduction to me I think that what what, what we did is Spanish cinema really kind of fucked off because of Franco and the dictatorships and stuff like that. And then when they all went away, we, instead of making movies, uh, rented out a lot of locations, right? So the Italians came over and they made the spaghetti Westerns in Spain and stuff. So I feel like you chose the French or you chose the Italian as far as your like foreign language, if not the Japanese or the Russians, because we also have great directors. I went the Italians, never fucking bothered with French. So that's my first real introduction to French New Wave. I have some feelings about it. I know you have a really amazing story about it that I want people to hear. So we have that on the horizon. Uh, anything else that we, oh, oh Westworld, we're gonna do Westworld season two ahead of the premiere. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we we got some stuff coming up, and I mean, I think that we'll. I think that the point of this uh, series or uh, podcast or whatever is we are going to do equal parts current things like Invisible Man, and then do deep dives into things like Breathless or whatever else. So stay tuned. You know, we'll be tackling all sorts of shit. Right. All right, man. Well, uh, Max, thank you for giving me your time, your FaceTime, your You're beauty, welcome. your wisdom. Thank you, Leigh Winnell, for making The Invisible Man. Thank you, Elizabeth Moss, for existing. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye.